Hi guys, I'm really excited to put out this podcast episode with Dina Cohen. Scroll back to a few episodes and you'll see that I interviewed Dina Cohen uh, a few months ago actually. Um, and Dina is also a registered dietitian and she's a CEDRD, which is a certified eating disorder registered dietitian. She's also a supervisor for dietitians like me who are newer to the field. And I've um, met with Dina for supervision as well. And she is incredible. And we got into a long uh, WhatsApp conversation about what it's like for us as dietitians and our own body image. And it's a really interesting conversation because we, like, you'll hear us talk about this, but we are sort of like looked at, like our bodies are looked at, the way that we eat is looked at. And that could be really challenging. Like, obviously, like in an ideal world, we wouldn't care if people were looking at our bodies or looking at how we're eating, but we're humans. <laughs> and um, we live in the regular world. We, and we also live in bodies, right? And we also eat and feed our families. And nobody's perfect. There's no such thing as perfect eating. There's no such thing, such thing as being a perfect eater or being perfect in general. So um, once we got that conversation going and just kept asking each other questions and talking about it, I was, we decided, let's, let's talk about this. And I, I do think it's a, a very candid conversation. I think that we were both vulnerable about our own lives and life experiences. Um, I, I don't want to say trigger warning, but I would say maybe some of the content was could be a little bit triggering, or you might start to see your dietitian or or therapist or whoever you speak with uh, regularly like a little differently, like see it through their lens a little. But maybe you as the um, client, it's not your job to do that, but it is an interesting perspective I wanted to share. So um, I think that you'll really enjoy this episode and glean a lot and understand if you're a dietitian, if you're an eating eating disorder dietitian or an intuitive eating dietitian, you'll also probably have some sense of camaraderie or, um, you know, feel validated from this episode. And if, and if you're, if you're somebody working on the principles of intuitive eating, or you're working with somebody, this also might give you a really interesting, interesting perspective. And again, like we are all human, we are all living in a world that's thin obsessed, that's uh, fat phobic, that's um, diet obsessed, right? So like, even if this is not a part of your value system, it doesn't mean that you're not surrounded by it. So it is really important to you have the tools to deal with it. It doesn't mean that you're going to look in the mirror and love the way that you look. It doesn't mean that you're um, always going to actually eat what you want to eat. You might still have guilty feelings about eating certain foods. That's okay. You're human. You're normal. This is a process. It's not a linear process. We have ups. We have downs. You can't always be focusing 100% on your relationship to food, and that's normal. Um, like Dina says in the episode, like having a positive body image is like not always thinking about your body image. Like, yes, you have to think about your body, but do you have to always be thinking about your body? How much are you thinking about your body? How much are you thinking about what you eat? So I think this is just a really practical, hands-on type of episode. So um, I hope you enjoy. Please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. The more people that subscribe, the more that it moves up in in Apple podcast ratings, and then other people can find this podcast. Um, you could also find a lot of these episodes on YouTube as well. So please don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Follow me on Instagram at gila.glassberg.intuitiverd. And if you would like to make peace with food and learn the principles of intuitive eating, head to my website, www.gilaglassberg.com, and you can sign up for a free 20-minute clarity call. Have a great day. 
Hi everyone and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Dina Cohen for the second time. Thank you so much for coming on, Dina. Yay, it's so exciting. Yeah, and Dina, you are a certified eating disorder registered dietitian. And um, if you if people haven't heard that episode, go back and listen. It was a great episode. But today we actually wanted to come on and talk about something that was more, uh, I would say, personal, like more um, getting into like the nitty gritty of like what we do as dietitians and like what we might struggle with as dietitians talking to other women about their body image issues or their diet culture voices. So um, let's just get started. Let's just talk about it. So, so, you know, like we've been talking via, via WhatsApp a lot, like things come up, like a client will say something and I'll feel like a trigger. Like if she's, you know, body bashing her body and maybe her body looks similar to mine, what does she think about my body? Right. And then I could have a thought like, why do I care about that? Shouldn't I not like that judgment really? Yeah. And then it's like, it's all, it's so like what we were saying before, it's like the culture is, we're still submerged in the culture, whether we want to be or not, whether we're aware of it or not. And at the same time, we're surrounded by other women struggling and talking openly about the struggle. So some women, most women struggle, but not all women talk about it openly, but our job is to like make space for that. Yeah, those are all amazing points. I think you you said that very eloquently. Thank you. Actually. Thank you. And yeah, that's the situation. You know, there's no escape from it because I tell my clients all the time, it's not like you have a brain floating around somewhere and then this disconnected body. Our brains, our minds, and our bodies are very much connected. There's no escape from your body. And that's one reason why somebody can feel physical symptoms of something like anxiety and depression, because your mind and your body are very connected, but also you don't get to ever go anywhere without your body. So if you're in a job that is, that seems to be very body focused, I can talk more about that in a second. And then you are listening to women, like you said, openly bash their bodies and talk about how they didn't want to go outside today because they looked in the mirror and they felt so awful and made them cry. You know, this is what you're listening to. It totally makes sense for a dietitian to be more conscious of her body than she would be maybe in another job. So I, I have to say that I have definitely experienced an evolution over the years. It's much less of a thing for me now than it was in the beginning because going into this field as a new fresh dietitian, um, you know, 10 to 15 years ago, it, it, 
that I think when people think about dietitians, they do think that these are the people who know exactly what to eat and therefore they're going to have the perfect bodies. And I will admit, this wasn't so far from me when I started off in this field. It's like, well, obviously, if you know exactly what to eat and you do it and you have the discipline to follow through with it, then you will be in your ideal body. And during my first internship, um, working in a hospital and getting to meet all the dietitians there, I was like, oh my goodness, they actually come in different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. And it, it might sound so idiotic now, but that was pretty mind blowing to mm -hmm. me back then. Mm -hmm. And I think definitely once I learned more about health at every size and got more experience with eating disorder treatment, this became much more obvious to me that being a dietitian isn't about having a specific body type. Being a dietitian means that you understand what the human body needs to work and function well. And when you eat the way you're supposed to be eating, in the absence of other conflicting factors, such as medical conditions, you know, for the most part, you will weigh what you're supposed to weigh for your stage in life. Mm -hmm. And that's going to look different for everybody based on your genetics. So having dietitians that come in all different shapes and sizes is no different than, you know, having humans that come in all different shapes and sizes. And the more I work in this field, the more that got internalized for me. So I think that it, it definitely is something that, you know, there can be harder times and easier times, but I think the more of this work that a dietitian does, the easier it gets. Yeah. Uh, you made so many like interesting points that I wanted to, I wanted to tackle, try to tackle. Like, first of all, I feel like because um, our world was on Zoom for so long, people who struggled in their body, it could have gone either way. You know, they could have gone like feeling more confident because they didn't have to show up as much in their body. Or it could have gone like now they, like they, they didn't want to, uh, you know, I know a lot of people didn't want to like see themselves on Zoom or they didn't want to like um, show up, like things like that. But, but, or let's say like at the end of Corona, now they're having a hard time going back into the world because that was like their comfort zone, yeah, which is sure. like, yeah, which is really interesting to, and then the other thing that you just said is that like, I was just thinking about this before we started recording, like, let's say you're an accountant and you sit at a desk all day and like you barely interact with your co-workers let's just say I don't even know because I don't I'm not an accountant I've never been one but like no one's really looking at your body versus their body they're looking at numbers or they're looking at papers or whatever something on the computer screen but exactly what you're saying our for for many people I mean I I'm very clear like I do intuitive eating and I put weight loss on the back burner but that doesn't mean that people don't come to me thinking their body's going to change so in a way there there still is that like either it's either it's there or it's not there, but there is that underlying feeling like maybe they're thinking like, um, well, I don't want to look like you, you know, like, or I want to look like you. Let's just say, you know what I'm saying? I want my body to conform to the way your body looks, or I don't want it to. And like, it's obviously there is people have like a very high level of body confidence, but I do think most women struggle with it. So yeah, like, and I don't think dietitians are, are necessarily an exception to that. You know, we're still people in bodies. We're still people who, um, you know, no, no matter how confident and independent of other people's opinions a person might be, we, we do, um, we are social creatures, right? And we, we 
it, it is normal to care somewhat about the impression that you're making on other people. So I can't remember if it was a dietitian who I heard say this or someone else, but years ago, I definitely heard somebody say, when you're a dietitian, your body is your business card. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. But if you think about what is our job as dietitians, we're trying to help people have a healthy relationship with food and eat in a normal, flexible um, way that is supportive to their health and help them feel comfortable in the body that is naturally theirs when they're, and, you know, and help them take good care of it. That's our job. Our jo job is not to have somebody flip through a magazine and pick a body and help them get that body. Right. So if your body is your business card and mm -hmm. you are accepting of your genetics and you are taking reasonably good care of your body and you are well versed enough in the science of nutrition so that you can do that, well, great. So whatever body size is healthy for you, that's your business card. And that's right. okay. So right. turning it around that way in my brain makes a lot more sense. You know, mm. and that kind of goes back to what I said before about that room of dietitians who came in all different shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. What you're role modeling for your clients in your body is saying it is okay that bodies come in different shapes and sizes. It is important to take reasonably good care of your body because that is the place that you're going to live in this life. And it doesn't mean we all have to look the same. Right. And you were saying like when you first started like 10, 15 years ago. So I've been a dietitian now um, almost, almost six years. So, I mean, but like six years plus for, cause the internship and everything. Um, I did, I had not read intuitive eating or health at every size. So, mm -hmm. but like, but also like what we were, we've been talking about a lot outside of this conversation is just like, when I, I think that in the beginning with my intuitive eating journey, I was very like, yeah, I gained weight, but like, it's all good, you know? But then like, as, as we know about weight science, like trauma could cause weight gain, um, certain medications could cause weight gain, hormones, um, having kids, right? But so like, it's one thing to say like, yeah, what's the big deal to gain weight? And it's another thing to actually gain weight and then to feel that body shame which is like what I've, I have struggled with. So it's like, on the one hand, you're like, you want, I always say this to clients, like you want to feel one way, but you still could feel another way. That doesn't mean that you're a hypocrite. It just means that you're a human. So like, that doesn't mean that you're living out of alignment with your values. It just means that like, you don't want to, you don't want weight gain to affect you. You don't want it to make you feel less confident or less comfortable in your body at the same time like we said before, you are living in a, we are all living in a thin obsessed world. So like that doesn't make you a hypocrite. That doesn't make you not somebody who believes in intuitive eating or health at every size. It just, that makes you a person having a hard time. Right. Right. Which is, which is so understandable. Right. And you know, the, the discomfort and the stress and sometimes the pain of having your body change in a way that you didn't want it to change it's not something that I wish on other people. It's not something that I think should be easy breezy, even if it is what's healthy for your body or if it's a necessary consequence of something else that you're going through in your life. It's a really, really hard thing. What I think it does do for dietitians to go through body changes, and, and even if nothing dramatic happens, you know, your body is supposed to change through the lifespan. Having 
babies changes your body every decade, you know, changes your body and Mm -hmm. that's okay. And that's normal. And it still doesn't mean that it's easy in this world, but going through those experiences, what I think it does do is it helps level the playing field somewhat between you and your clients. Really, I think going through any hard time can do that instead of the dietitian being, you know, the, the talking head up mm-hmm. here issuing commands mm-hmm. and theories to the client. It's just, it's, we're, we are human beings who struggle through hard things. Sometimes you might be struggling with something that's very different than what your client's struggling with, but you're both struggling people. Right. That helps you be a better, um, you know, a better listener and in a better position to offer ideas and, and suggestions to someone. And, and people can sense it, I think. People can sense it when you are, are somebody who has been through some hard times of your own and that you're kind of with them in the struggle. But particularly if you're going through a similar struggle to your client, so who's the better person to guide them then? Mm-hmm. I think in traditional dietetics, the dietitians are seen as the educators. You know, we provide nutrition education to clients. So it's more like the teacher and the student. But the way I see it, when, you, when you're helping somebody navigate um, doing scary things, like not listening to diet culture or recover from an eating disorder, it works better if you're more like a Sherpa, right? You're more, you're more like a guide. You're helping them climb the mountain. And maybe you know the path better because you've been doing it longer or because you've received education and training in that area but you're sort of down with their down down there with the client i think that can actually be a gift again i'm not saying that the hardship is something that i would wish upon people but if it's already happening i think it could be tremendously valuable in your work yeah you told me that when we were talking once you said like we're doing this work with our clients not like not like apart from them yeah yeah because we we live in the same culture you know i know your body changes might not be the same as theirs or it might be the same as theirs but but either way we're we're living in the in the same culture when we walk out of the office we still deal with friends and relatives and you know other mothers on park benches and we, we we go to functions where people are talking about weight all the time it's this is not going away I mean, I hope it's going away. It's not going away. It's not going away this month or this year. The, a really important thing for me has like, like I have to think, I have to like really develop it even more, but like the whole concept of boundaries, but not like, not just like, you know, boundaries, like people throw that word around. But like, I, I remember reading in um, Christy Harrison's book, Anti-Diet, like the, uh, did you read that book? No. It's a really great book. And so the first half is talking about like the history of, of diet culture. And the second half is like how to use intuitive eating and in your life, like the more practical tools. And I remember her saying something like, you don't have to explain to everyone you meet what intuitive eating is and why diet culture is bad. And like, I kind of knew that. And, but like, she, I think she said like in the beginning, she was still like rah, rah. And she had to explain it to everyone. And everyone had to be converted and like, I kind of felt like that too. Like, mm-hmm. why don't, why don't, why don't more people know about this? So you would probably be so happy until I met people that were like, that sounds crazy. I would never want to do that. If I gained a pound, it would be horrible, you know, like things like that. And, um, and like, it's hard, like it, it comes up so often and people don't really know what dietitians do, let alone intuitive eating dietitians. So it's like, let's say like, I, I probably just had the situation where you're like, meeting someone new or you're in a situation they're like what what do you actually do 
a part of me wants so badly to be like, let me tell you exactly what I do. And a part of me is just like, I don't want to do this. I'm not working right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm the second one. Absolutely. But it's so hard because like, you're like, you have that passion and that drive and you want to convert people, convert people. You want to like, if they're asking, you want to tell them. But like that boundary is so important because like you can't always be working. No, and you don't you don't want to exhaust yourself. You want to save your passion for the people who are genuinely interested. I find like your clients and maybe other professionals that you work with. I mean, again, you you can assess the situation and see does this person look like someone who's just making conversation or do they just want to hear what you have to say so that they can tell you about their next diet? You know, yeah, you have to judge your customer, but for the most part. Personally, I really try to avoid talking about anything work-related when I'm not working. Number one, because I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Number, number two, it's ah, it could really be a waste of your energy if the person really isn't super, you know, invested or interested in 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 what you have to say, or if they're just using it as a springboard to talk about their own stuff and they they really don't want to listen. So I really try and save my breath, <laughs> but also. You know, I remember in the beginning as a dietitian, I used to like really hope and pray when I met someone that they wouldn't ask me what, what I did for a living. <laughs> but every, what everyone does. Yeah. Uh, no, I just, I, I just felt like saying, oh, you know, I, I arrange flowers or I'm a neurosurgeon or like anything but dietitian, because then they look at your plate or then they want you to look at their plate or they hide their plate. And it's like, can we just eat? <laughs> so I, I think what, what is a helpful framework for me is just like we talked about, you know, your body is your business card. I am role modeling a normal body. What is for me a normal body. And with my eating, if anyone knows I'm a dietitian or asks what I do and they're looking at my plate, whatever I happen to be eating at that moment, I am role modeling normal eating. Mm -hmm. And that just, it really takes the pressure off. It's like, you don't have to look a specific way. You don't have to be eating in a specific way. If someone knows you treat eating disorders, it's still okay to eat a salad if you feel like eating a salad, just like it's still okay to eat a cupcake if you feel like eating a cupcake. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they're not thinking about it as much as you think they are. They're not yeah. thinking about it. Right. They're usually more, you know, feeling self-conscious about their own plate than necessarily looking at yours. But, you know, if, if you just think about what is my job again? Oh, right. My job is helping people have a normal re- and, and healthy relationship with food. Then it, it really does take the pressure off a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard though. Like as you're speaking, I'm thinking like, because you said like your body's your business card or like everyone eats, right? Like not everybody like crunches their numbers. Like I'm just using the example yeah. of an accounting because it's such a yeah. like difference, but like that's not true. People talk to accountants all the time. They're like, hey, could you help me with this thing? I'd probably do that to accountants. But um, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's so personal. Like, you know, when when somebody's like pregnant and people touch their belly and they're like, why do people feel like they should t- they could just touch my belly? And it's like some like your body is just so personal, but it's also like everyone sees it. Yeah. So it's just like I, I think like you're saying that it's gotten easier for you. And I'm saying I think it's almost gotten harder because like um yeah, definitely noticing like my body's changed, you know, and like trying to not practice what I preach, but to do the inner coaching that I try to help my clients do like bodies change. Um, you know, I've been through a lot. My body's been through a lot, like the, like the reframing, the positive, like I, I told you, I saw this on Instagram, like 
like somebody's therapist said to them, like, maybe you needed the extra padding, you know, during that hard time. I thought that was so beautiful. Like Mm -hmm. that our bodies are really smart, you know? Um, But at the same time, it's like, I, I guess this is, this is so much about having inner confidence. Like somebody could be looking at you and looking at your plate even and thinking, she's a dietitian. I can't believe she's eating that. But at the same time, like you just said, first of all, people don't really care so much about what you're doing. (laughs) They're more insecure about what they're doing, but it's still hard. You know, it's still, it's still, I, I would say it's still one of those, I guess, professions that like people are like looking at you. Yeah. So which, which part is harder for you when you're, you know, just meeting someone outside in your regular life or when you're meeting a new client and you're concerned about them judging you because of your body? So that's a good question. Well, clients who come to me, that's another thing. I feel like boundaries, like being really clear about what I do helps me get my ideal client. So they're not, they're not coming to me thinking, I think that most of them are not coming to me thinking I want to, or don't want to look like Gila's body. Mm-hmm. You know, they're more focusing mm-hmm. on the intuitive eating principles, but somebody who might be on the fence, which maybe that could be my own, that could be my own um, new boundary, which is like being much stricter about my ideal client. That could be my own something to think about. That could definitely be challenging because you're thinking like, well, people don't really always see me because I'm on Zoom, but like it could, let's say they say, let's, let's just say, I know this sounds really triggering. So I'm just going to give a trigger warning, but let's just say a client says, oh my gosh, I'm disgusting. I'm a pig. I can't look at myself and I'm X pounds. And I'm thinking mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the, that exa- I'm, I haven't weighed myself in years, but like, that's probably around my weight. It's triggering. It's yeah. really triggering. Yeah. I'll tell you why I think it's um, one of the reasons why it might be easier for me is because most of my work focuses on eating disorders. And when you have someone who's in a larger body and they're saying, oh, I'm so disgusting, I weigh X amount and I hate myself and all that, because we live in the world that we do, it might sound more like quote unquote legitimate for them to feel that way. When you have the same person who is in a very thin body because they you know, have anorexia and they're saying those same words, it's much easier to internalize the fact that they're saying this because of their own mental distress and it doesn't have to do with their body it has to do with their thoughts and feelings right so I think doing that work for a long time you know it 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 helps it helps the professional working in that situation have a very clear understanding that the way somebody feels about their body can have very little to do with how their body actually looks. And so that sounds different to me than mm-hmm. it does to you. If most of the work that you're doing is helping chronic dieters versus, you know, a straight up eating disorder. You hear what I'm saying? I totally hear what you're saying. I also think it's like a really good tool to use because if I was looking at a very thin person saying those words and a person in a larger body, my value system is like, they both that's both those people are saying things that like are not conducive to good health are like completely lacking self-compassion and completely disrespecting their bodies so like whether they're in a very small emaciated anorexic body or in a even in a larger body my belief system is that it's like the same it's like it's a it's a symptom or a symbol of their mental distress and 
I'm sure, you know, you, you've met people who might be the same weight as that client who's making that disparaging comment about herself, who seems to be just fine in that body, right? Mm -hmm. So we're sort of socialized to think, oh, if someone feels bad about their weight and they're in a larger body, well, then they should go lose some weight. Right. People can be fine in their bodies, whatever size they are. Right, right. But that's actually really powerful because I'm thinking like, like let's say that let's say that's a more extreme example of somebody talking like that about their body I mean I hear that all the time but I'm just saying let's say it was like oh that's that's probably my weight you know like that exact Mm -hmm. scenario what I would have them do and have which is what I like help myself with is like just remembering like even maybe even picturing myself in front of a mirror and thinking like this body is so powerful this body even if you never had children, but I'm just saying this body created three healthy children. This body's been through trauma. This body is my life that gets me through my world. It doesn't, I think it's important for clients here. It doesn't mean that those, those triggers go away. It doesn't mean that I have, I, that it doesn't mean that many days I look in the mirror, I don't feel good about the way I look, but that doesn't, it also means that I have the tools and the and reminding myself what my value system is and that's hard it's really challenging it's wish- hard it's hard because you're 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 going through a hard time and you're not really your job doesn't really allow you the the time and space to just take a break from thinking about this you're thinking about it every day right. and yes in the end ultimately it's i think you're doing the fast track towards body acceptance um so i think it's going to be harder but it's also going to get you there faster and again not that you would have chosen this but it is a gift that you're giving your clients because you have to really feel this authentically um you know in the process of helping them which is which is pretty amazing one one more thing that i just want to mention is that again if you think about what what is your body symbolizing to your clients and I learned this pretty early on because clients would actually comment on my body one way or the other. And I realized that for some clients, I'm going to be too thin and for other clients, I'm going to be too fat. And I, I, you know, I, I can't be the body that's perfect for every client because I see right. a variety of bodies. Right. But what I, what I can do is try and model for them the attitude towards, towards bodies in general that is really healthy for people to have. And that is, like you said, you appreciate what what good you can find in your body. And also to me, positive body image means that you're actually not thinking about your body all that much. Like it takes up less space in your brain. And I remember so distinctly, I worked with one client with anorexia where I just threw this question out to her when she was, you know, talking about how much she hated her body and she needed to lose weight and you know, on and on. And I said to her, is there anyone that you can think of who isn't super thin and seems to have a happy life? And immediately she's like, yes, you. And I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. But what's interesting is, yes, she noticed my body size, but what she noticed is that, you know, I was giving the impression of having a happy life. That's cool. That's not what I walked to work, you know, walked into work that day thinking, but that's, that's the impression that she got. So being able to give off vibes that your 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 body doesn't define you and that yes you know you live in it like i said you travel through life in this body so you have to have some sort of um accepting relationship with it but that it doesn't take over who you are that's a pretty important message to be able to convey right right 
it's really powerful i'm just thinking i'm really just thinking right now like like it's not just your body that you're showing to your clients but it's also your your attitude relating to to bodies and and how much space they they take up in your own life right and also um figuratively not just literally right no that's a really good way of thinking about it actually like um jessica setnick said in her eating disorder boot camp class she said like the way that we behave is the way we model for our clients to behave yeah yeah. So like, like, let's say like last week I took off seeing clients and like, that was a really big step for me. Cause like, you know, you know how long it took me to build my business. I'm like, I put everything into it and all that, like, you know, mental en- energy that I had to get through to like, be like, I could do this and this is going to be great and whatever. But like, that was a boundary because it was like, I, for one week this week, I can't hear, I can't hold space for other people. And that means that I'm not being my best self or my best, the best clinician I could be. And I think that that models, not just boundaries, but also like, I don't want to say Amuna for people who like, let's say if this is like not, not all religious clientele, but like, just like, I guess like faith that like your money, these things are connected to money also, but like, if I don't have my mental energy, like then like that money doesn't really mean that much to me. It, obviously mm-hmm. it means something, but it doesn't. So just like all encompassing, like, remembering my values and like that doesn't mean it wasn't hard that doesn't mean I didn't doubt myself but ultimately I still did made the decision I needed to make in that moment so it's the same I feel like it's a, there's a parallel like sometimes like you're going to be triggered about your body and about about the way you're eating you know like like you were saying before people looking at your plate like it's, it's not like always easy for me when I go somewhere and I'm around people who most of the people in my personal life do not understand intuitive eating. If I really wanted to explain it to them, I would, but I don't want to because they're not asking if they were, if, you know, or like, I don't want to work. And, and not yeah, you don't, you don't have to answer to them. Right. Exactly. But that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it not hard sometimes when you're like out with all your friends and they get salads and you're like, I really want pasta. And I tell this to clients, by the way, I'm like, if you would feel like you really wanted pasta, but everyone was getting a salad and you decided to get a salad, I wouldn't think anything is wrong with that because like you have to know yourself. Like that's a, that's actually really hard to get If you want pasta and everyone's getting salad and you decide to get the pasta, like maybe like it's, it's so nuanced. It's not like the yeah, right answer is to get have the pasta. To, you have to see, you have to see if you're up for it right then. Exactly. But as a dietitian in social situations or as a dietitian in a situation with your client, ask yourself, you know, what, what, what is it that I'm trying to convey? I'm not here to convey. This is the body that everybody should have. You're, you're here to convey, you know, to the best of your ability What's a healthy choice for me right now? Right. If your body is bigger than you think your client thinks it should be, right? What's right. a healthy behavior for you? Again, health at every size is all about behaviors. It's acknowledging that you can't actually control your body size. I'm, I'm in the middle of a really good book called Beyond the Shadow of a Diet by Judith Metz. And she has, um, towards the beginning of the book, she goes through different factors that can affect somebody's weight and how, yes, eating and exercise can impact someone's weight, but so much less than society has us believe than it will. It's like a sliver of a pie. Like 15% or something. That that, that impacts our weight. So what you're not, what what you're not able to do is, um, you know, 
use your body to say, this is the body that everybody should have. And I'm a dietitian, so I have it. It's not, it's not even possible to do. Right. But what you can do is convey good caretaking of your body mm -hmm. and reasonably healthy behaviors. Mm -hmm. If you shrinking your body, if, if the things that you would have to do to shrink your body, you know, are not healthy behaviors, then you absolutely shouldn't be doing them. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is judging your plate of pasta, <laughs> it's, if, you're, if you're feeling judged by somebody else, that is not an indication that you're doing the wrong thing. So right. feeling guilty about something or feeling self-conscious about something, those don't mean that you're doing the wrong thing. Is it right. hard? If you're sensing judgment from someone, maybe they're even making comments to you. Oh my gosh, a dietitian eating pasta, you know? Oh yeah. Of course it's not easy. Right. But it doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. Right. Right. And you were saying before, like I, like you said, po positive body image could sometimes be like thinking about body image less. So it's like not thinking about it, not letting it consume your thoughts. It's the same thing yeah. with like going out and thinking like, should I get this? Should I get that? Like just ordering, like yeah. that's so free. That, that is the healthy thing to do, right? Just go ahead and order your food. That's amazing. I don't think that's, that's easy a lot of the time. It's not. It's when you not. feel like it, when you feel like you're on display or when you're in um, a season of life where you're feeling uncomfortable in your body or a little freaked out by some body changes, that is not easy to do. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, boiling it down to that question of what is it that I want to convey? If I have, if, if I'm stuck being a dietitian in a body that has to eat and whether I like it or not, my body and my behavior are conveying messages. What's right. the message I want to convey? Right. It's taking good care of myself with reasonably healthy behaviors. Mm -hmm. that that might not look like what your audience expects it to look like right going back to just like concepts of like I don't want to say people pleasing but like concepts of like if somebody's making a judgment on you that's on them and not on you yeah remembering that it's like so see see I always say that intuitive eating like leads to intuitive living but like and I know that sounds like super hippy dippy but when I talk about these types of things it's like boundaries right I never had any boundaries like I never like would say like I don't want to talk about this you know or like mm -hmm. I would never think to myself like they're making a judgment on me that's on them not on me like ever so like these are just good living skills no I don't think it sounds hippie at all I think it's you know maybe in in a more dramatic sense it's when somebody recovers from an eating disorder they're recovering a lot more than a healthy body and a positive relationship with food it's, it's right. really a recovered life because you have to get through the stuff that that maybe caused or contributed to that eating disorder to begin with and you have to make a lot of changes to your life not just yes. to your food is it so much harder that way because you can't just deal with the food stuff you have to deal with everything of course it's so much harder but it means that the rewards are so much greater right like a recovered person is usually a very very healthy person they have a lot of life skills they had they had a lot of work to do yeah, yeah. Um, this is like such an interesting conversation. Do, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Anything coming to mind? Uh, well, I think reminding yourself that yes, when you live in a body that that is changing, of course, it's it's not. It's often not a pleasant experience. Some of it is because if it's changing in a way that you feel is not what society is telling you is the ideal body that's hard but also change itself is hard right 
realizing that you can't control a lot of things that you thought maybe you should be able to control, or maybe you feel like I'd be more comfortable if I could control this thing going on right now. That's hard also. And it reminds me, you know, a little bit of my work with picky eaters when they're really afraid to eat something. They're, they're afraid because maybe that food will cause a negative experience for them because of the taste of the food. But it's also scary because it's new. I never tasted this before. This is weird. So sometimes when someone's going through body changes, it can be helpful to think about it in that way. It's mm -hmm. my body's changing right now. And the fact that it's changing is uncomfortable for me because when things are new, they feel weird. Mm -hmm. It's society maybe that's telling me that this is a bad change, but society changes its minds. Um, you know, every couple of centuries or so. So mm -hmm. what's happening with my body is not inherently a bad thing. It's a new thing. And right. that feels weird. And I don't like that it feels new and weird, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. So that's, you know, that's an important point. I think when somebody is in a body that's changing, and again, we all are in bodies that are eventually going to change. Right. Um, the other thing with body image is that you're not going to feel good about how you look on the outside until you really feel okay with yourself on the inside. And that really goes back to what we said about somebody living a recovered life. It means a lot of hard work, but it means life is better. When, when you don't feel good about yourself on the inside, it doesn't matter if you live in a supermodel body, you're not going to feel secure in your body on the outside. Right. The more work you do on yourself in the inside to feel confidence, to feel like a worthy person, person to feel like you deserve to exist and take up space to feel a sense of adequacy about yourself all of that work can help you feel better in your body no matter what size your body is and it can also do what we referenced before about not letting your body take up all of your brain space it's your body is one part of your life and yes it is where you live but it's you know by far not the most important thing in your life right um, I, I wanted to add, um, to the body changing, the body changing thing, like, this is like, I guess a little more neutral, but like, let's say like recently I've been sweating more. Like when I go to the gym, I notice I'm like sweating. I think it's like a little hotter in there than my old gym. Cause it closed because of Corona. But I'm like, I literally said to like everyone, I'm like, are you guys sweating? Like, is it like just me? And like this been instructor was joking with me. She's like, are you going through menopause? I'm like, I'm only 30, but I was really thinking about it. This happened today. I was thinking like, that's uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to sweat more. Like, that's a new change, you know, like, and that's like on a smaller scale than like your body, even like losing weight or gaining weight. That's like on a smaller scale. Um, but like, I've had clients who, or friends who have lost uh, a lot of weight because they were depressed or because they had eating disorder or because they had cancer. And that's like really scary. Like, that's a really scary that reality. can That can feel very out of control. Right. Even if that's a, you know, a societally um praiseworthy effect right. that weight loss somebody not being able to eat or you know for for whatever reason and and watching pounds drop that can be pretty terrifying it's something out of their control it's their body again the place where you live which is suddenly looking different and they didn't ask your permission that's mm -hmm. scary right and that's why i was saying that i was talking here about the weight loss not the weight gain because it's it's really the same thing like our bodies change they, you could lose weight, you could gain weight because of a, because of a life change. And like, I had, I actually had this conversation with Evelyn Triboli in our supervision session. She was like, yeah, like sometimes you look in the mirror, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't notice my legs look like X, Y, Z. She's like, I wasn't, it wasn't like a, it wasn't, um, 
a judgment. It was just like a noticing, like that's odd, you know, and like mm-hmm. neutralizing it. But like, it's so like what you're saying, it's so challenging to change in general is so challenging. Then change in the place where you live in your body is super challenging. And then change in a way that society says is horrible is like even more challenging. So yeah. like acknowledging those levels of body change and the discomfort is like, it could be really challenging. That's a, that's a triple challenge. But if you think about the, I don't want to be this like Pollyanna person here because I definitely don't want to invalidate that challenge in, in any way. But if we think about once you've successfully navigated this challenge, the good that could come out of it is also going to be a triple you know, beneficial outcome because mm-hmm. having to deal with changes and things that you can't control makes you realize like, wow, I can't control these body changes. You know what? I actually can't control life. That's very scary, but it's also very liberating. Having to recognize that maybe my body is not the one that is, um, you know, that society tells me that I should strive for makes me question my own values, but then reaffirm my values and, and recognize what's most important to me. That's not just a body thing or a food thing. That that's a life thing. So and, and, you know, the fact that it is happening to your body, having a more accepting relationship with your body, kind of like a relationship with another person, the people in your life who you love, maybe you don't love every single bit of them, or maybe you don't love them um, equally on, maybe, you know, internally, you might love them equally, but maybe some days they, uh, you kind of get along better with them than other days. It's a relationship with your body and learning to view your body, not just as this thing that you're supposed to control or like a self-improvement project, but, but a relationship. Mm-hmm. That's also something that, that takes you very far in life and, and can help you, na- you know, not you specifically, but people can help you navigate things like childbirth, menopause, aging, whatever other life changes your, your body is going to undergo. Right. And we, like we know that like that many people who struggle with the eating disorder or even just like chronic dieters, it's that control piece. Like I can't control anything in my life. At least I could just control my food, you know? And then like, when they realize that, like, at least I could just control my weight and they realize they can't actually control it. It yeah. is scary, but yeah. also in a way, like you said, super liberating. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to say about your second point, wait one second. What was your second point about, about bodies changing? Do you remember? I have no idea. We're rambling today. <laughs> no, we're not rambling because I was I was saying specifically on this point and this point about bodies changing, but it's going to come to me later. Um, well, there was the control aspect, then it's the fact that it's your body and the relationship with your body, and then it's mm-hmm. the fact that your body is changing in a way that society might not necessarily prescribe. Right, but there was something else that you said about that that I can't remember, but it will come to me later. Um, yeah. Um, Right. So I, I think that it is actually important for people, listeners, clients, anyone to hear that, like, this is like really hard work. Um, you're living your body. So like, you have to learn to like live in your body. That's, we're not always taught how to do that. Um, and it's normal to feel triggered by people talking about their bodies and people talk about their bodies all the time and about the way they eat. But you could still, even though this is hard, you could still develop those tools to learn. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Okay. Can you give us some practical tools on how to work on yourself internally, that it has an effect on how you feel about yourself externally? 
So I don't know if, if this is the direction you're thinking of, but what I'm thinking of is we should talk about weighing because it just popped into my head when we were talking about the relationship with, with you know, treating, treating um, your body as something that you're in a relationship with rather than something you are, you're supposed to control. Weighing yourself, and I'm not saying there's never a time, you know, there are always exceptions and situations where it's important and it's healthy and it's necessary, but for the most part, when you weigh yourself, it's like conditional love, right? It's like, well, how am I going to feel about you today? Hmm, let's see how you measure up. And I remember listening to a talk by one of our favorite people, Jessica Sanek, mm-hmm. where she gets up in front of the audience and she looks at the audience and she says, wow, you know, this is a really impressive audience today. Maybe I should have weighed myself before I gave this talk, like, you know, to make sure that I measure up. And it, it cracked me up because so often when people are, are weighing themselves, it's not just let me measure my weight it's do I measure up today and then you're really forcing yourself into that conditional love relationship I'm going to eat according to my hunger as long as my weight is low enough so I think that stopping to weigh yourself is a very very powerful yes um tool to help accept yourself internally because it's it's saying to yourself I'm going to treat my body well and eat what I need today regardless of what the number on the scale says. And I'm going to work with my body and not against my body. I'm going to accept it for what it is today and treat it well, not because it, it you know, meets my standards of what I think it should be today or if it's going in the direction that I think it should be going. So I think that stopping to weigh yourself is a very, very powerful step that you can take. Um, internally, uh, that's a big question. I think it, it probably is person specific, the kind Mm. of work that somebody needs to do. But I think a lot of it comes down to recognizing your inherent worth and not feeling like I I need to be perfect or I need to look or act a certain way in order to be safe and loved and belong. And I I think it's hard because people might've been brought up in an environment where they were actually told straight out that you only matter as long as you perform according to what we think you should do as long as you have the look that we think that you should have so mm-hmm. it might be a, a lot of work which you know maybe needs to happen in therapy for yep. people to learn to accept themselves unconditionally so that they can accept their bodies unconditionally or at least you know have a little more grace when it comes to their body wow i yeah i had a client i have a client who um she was still having a very hard time rejecting the diet mentality, still very much focused on her weight. And she was also very much working on her self-love. And she said one session, um, and she said, it's okay that I share this. Like, I, I realized that like, the more I focus on my weight and I am trying to control my weight, like the less I could focus on self-love because it is conditional. It's literally conditional. Yeah, it's, I will it's love of, myself. It's kind of contradictory. Right. It's just so interesting because like, that's what dieting is. And like, we see this with like, let's say, let's, I always say this to parents. Like when you put a child on a diet, you say, I don't love you at this size, or I, I would love you more at a different size. I know that sounds extreme, but like, that's what we do to ourselves. Like, I, I like, I would love you so much more if you were different, if yeah. you weren't you, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. That sounds really loving. I would love you so much more if you were different. <laughs> It's really sad. Yeah. Like really, really sad. I know that some people listening would think it's extreme though, because it's like, 
the counter, the, the counters I hear so often, like, no, they just need to lose weight. It's not that it's for their health, but it's like, but still the underlying message is like, you're not okay like this, please change. Right. Or, or, and again, I say this with like the greatest sense of compassion when, when parents come to me and they say, I really just want her to be happy. Right. I just want my child to be happy. And it's a tricky question because, again, it's easier to live in this world in a thinner body. Like that is a fact right now. And yes, we're all working for that to change. Right. Um, but, you know, for a parent to feel like, can you give my child the ticket to happiness? It, it's, it's coming. I don't, I don't think it's coming from a bad place. It's like, who doesn't want their child to have an easier life? Mm -hmm. Once you break it down and you see what that involves and you see what message that's giving the child it's kind of like what you were saying, right? It's, it's, it, it makes the child feel like the love is conditional on them eating a certain way or looking a certain way. And so, yes, of course we want the world to be the easiest place that it can be for our child, but what are ways that we can do that while still respecting your child's likes and dislikes and their genetics and the entirety of who they are? Right, right. Yeah, that's... Yeah, it's just so sad. It's just such a sad like reality that it still exists. Yeah, um, but I mean, I guess to end off on a happy note. Yeah, um, I'm. I, I I'm definitely um, gratified to hear parents say that because I do think things are changing. And in the beginning, it would have been more like flat out, "Can you make my child thin?" Right. Right. So this is an improvement. And if, if it's confusing sometimes for people in this field, imagine how confusing it is for parents who don't want their child to have an eating disorder and they still want their child to have an easier time in life and they don't want to put them on a diet, but they do want them to lose weight. Like it's confusing. Mm -hmm. It really is confusing. That's so true. I think, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe we're the Sherpas, right? Maybe we're, we're one step ahead, but we're still all in this together, doing the best that we can to um, live healthy, productive lives in an extremely messed up culture and recognizing at the same time that the, the hard work that we do has super helpful and beneficial results, not just in the body image realm, but in life overall. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, this was so awesome. It was not rambling at all. It was so interesting and I hope it was helpful for clients to hear that we are dietitians and we're also humans living in bodies <laughs> absolutely okay thank you so much for coming on okay thanks for having great me day. of course you too okay thank you all so much for being here on my podcast get into it with gila if you'd like to learn more about what i do and what intuitive eating is please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on instagram at gila glassberg thank you so much have a great day